Hello and welcome to the Modern Divorced Podcast. I'm your host, Billy Tarasio. I'm the owner of Modern Law, a family law firm in the Phoenix area. I've been a divorce attorney for more than 15 years. I've got four kiddos and I'm divorced myself. And on this podcast, we're going to cover everything related to divorce, be it legal issues, financial issues, children issues, blended family issues, counseling, mediation, and more. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Modern Divorce Podcast. I am really looking forward to today because as I was talking to our guest about many times, it's it's women who are more prepared for the divorce, who are filing for divorce, who are consuming the content related to divorce, and they tend to be just a little bit more prepared in general than men. And so today's guest is a divorce attorney and divorce coach who specializes in preparing and coaching men through divorce. We've got a New Jersey divorce attorney, divorce coach, John Knocklinger. John, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. Uh, So you hail all the way from the East Coast in New Jersey, correct? Yes. Don't hold that against me. No, not at all. Not at all. The the audience is, I'm in Arizona and most of our audience is probably West Coast, Southwest, but not really at all. And this is such an important episode that I'm sure it's going to reach people all over the place. So how long have you been um, in the law? I've been a divorce attorney for almost 20 years. So oh my gosh, almost 20 years done over 1500 divorces. It's yeah. like seen it all done it all. Yeah. You know? So, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, so we're in the same boat. I've been divorced or um, licensed since 2005 doing divorce stuff and your, your trajectory from, you know, litigator to coach to mediator is one that is pretty familiar because when you do this many divorces, you really do just want to help people. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, the longer you do it, the more you're like, there's got to be a better way. There has got to be a better way than what, you know, what we spent, you know, probably you too, the first 10 years of your career, you just been litigating, litigating, going to court, going to court, fighting, fighting. And after a while, you're like, what in the world am I doing? These people aren't any better off than when I started fighting for them. And there's got to be a better way. So that's kind of where I got to where I am today. Very good. Very good. Um, so let's talk about men. What do you see typically with men facing divorce? Well, the one thing that most men encounter is the whole, you know, this caught me blindsided. I didn't realize this was coming. And I found, and I don't know if you found this too, but divorce is really 95% emotion to begin with. Um, it's very little law. And so, you know, most of the time I get guys who can't even think about the divorce process because they're still thinking about why is this happening to me? I've been such a great, uh, you know, I've been, uh, I've been out there earning money. I've been taking care of my family. I've been a good husband. I've been a good father. Why is this happening to me? And it really, I heard this so much over the years. And, you know, as an attorney, I mean, what, what do we do? We can't sit there and, you know, bill our client three, $400 an hour to, to talk about why is this happening to me? So I, it occurred to me that guys really need somebody to talk to, because as you know, most men do not like to talk about their personal life, even with friends. I mean, it's very hard for men to, to really talk about it. So I saw this over the years where guys really just need somebody to work through those early stages with. And then also start to plan a little bit because um, 
it's been my experience that women do tend to plan longer for divorce. They tend to have a longer trajectory to get to the point where they decide they want to get divorced. And because of that, they tend to go get advice earlier in the process from an attorney or a coach or, you know, friends, friends that have gotten divorced. And men, you know, whenever their wife says, I want a divorce, a lot of times they're just stunned, shocked, and they become paralyzed. So I, that's sort of the sort of the universe of people that I thought would be best served um, and niched down. Because I'll tell you one thing, when you go out in the world and you look at divorce coaching websites and you look at materials, one thing you will notice, and if you go out, you'll you'll see it immediately, is that the verbiage, the language, the everything about all of these these coaches' websites is geared towards women. It does not speak to most men. Mm-hmm. Men men really need to be spoken to in a different way to fully understand uh, and appreciate what they're going through. That's a great point. And what I've noticed is we know statistically that about two thirds of divorces are initiated by women. And what I've noticed is just the person who initiates the divorce has wrapped their head around this. They've grieved the loss of their marriage. They've fantasized about their life post-divorce. They're looking forward to this. They've decided this. And so they're just in a much better position, which means two thirds of the time, the responding party is men, are men, and they are blindsided and they have a lot of catching up to do. And when you have not caught up emotionally, when you have not processed emotionally, it leads to decisions in the litigation that makes the litigation much more complicated and much more expensive. And it just drags on. So you have people who are fighting over things that they don't really actually want to fight about, but they can't fight to keep their marriage. So they fight in in the courtroom. Yeah. They're like, if I just drag this on long enough, she'll change her mind, you know, and you see that all the time. Um, But, you know, what's even more important for me is helping them understand that anger is not going to get them anywhere. Mm. Any parties aren't going to help them either. The divorce is going to happen one way or the other. Mm. And because I also mediate full time in my with my other hat on Mm -hmm. uh, as a lawyer, I really one of my focuses always is to convince them Mm -hmm. if it hasn't already been brought up by their wives to convince them to go down an alternative dispute resolution route, to to get there as quickly as possible, to swallow their pride and talk to their wife and be like, listen, okay, I don't like this, but I don't want this to turn into, you know, War of the Roses. I want something that we can control a little bit more, where we can be more amicable for ourselves, for our children, whatever. Um, And I really try to use this forum to encourage men to use mediation because a lot of times they're like, you know, wounded animals. They, they just don't want, they don't want to even talk about it because that means I'm getting divorced. That means I'm going to be talking about getting the divorce done. So I kind of use this both ways to kind of steer them in the direction I think is best. And of course, that's my opinion, but I think most people agree litigation is not the best approach for most people in the world. So I try to use it to, you know, move them along. And I have clients all over the country and in Canada. So I, I have, I coach guys all over the place, West coast, East coast, um, all over the place. And what's interesting is divorce is the same everywhere. Yes. I know we, we all think it's like, we got 50 different States, different countries. It's the same everywhere. You have to dissolve your, you know, the business aspects of your marriage. We have to divide your property and divide your kids. 
and figure out how to pay the bills. Like that's pretty much all there is to it, no matter where you're at. So what are the ways that you help men speed up emotionally and kind of get up caught up emotionally so that they can deal with the business of divorce? So every guy that, that I deal with comes to me in a, from a very different place. So what I do is I kind of look at myself like a basketball coach, you know, and I speak, I speak in sports mm. language because men understand this. Um, I'm like a basketball coach. So what I do is I help men come up with the game plan. You know, what plays are they going to run? Mm-hmm. What are they going to do? And mm-hmm. I send them out in the game. See, to me, the divorce attorney, the mediator, they're all part of the game. Mm-hmm. I'm just on the sidelines watching it happen. And whenever I see my, my player, my guy, not following the plays that we put together, you know, I call them over to the sideline and be like, remember what we decided, this is what you were going to do. So um, really it's more about accountability. So what I'll do is um, we'll figure out what they need. Sometimes guys literally need a two hour cry fest that some, some guys need that. And I'm fine with that. Cause I'm, I'm a good listener. I'm a good friend. So th- I just put on my friend hat and we just sit and we talk about why is this happening to me? But then there's the guys that that their wives have told them it's coming, but it's not imminent. So she hasn't really done anything to move it along. She's just like, you know, says, I'm done with you. Or maybe she started seeing somebody else. Something's happened where it's coming. Then I go into divorce planning mode um, or preparation mode, I, which I think is a little bit more of a, a nicer term to use. And so I actually have a boot camp, a online boot camp that guys go through. And I sort of just walk them through helping them understand ways they can help themselves with the money, help ways they can help themselves with the kids. And then I also talk about protecting their freedom because I don't know how it is in um, over on the West Coast, but we have a lot of people here that use domestic violence laws um, as swords rather than shields. So I do tell guys, you know, to protect themselves and like how to protect themselves. And then I deal with their sanity, you know, the, the, basically the post, what are you going to do with yourself when you're after your divorce? Because without that, it's hard to go through a divorce. And I mean, you just said a second ago, there's a lot of women that have already visualized what life's going to look like after their divorce. Well, I, I kind of get my guys to say, you need to start visualizing that too. You know, and so, so really, um, so if I get guys in that, and I have time to actually do some preparation, we'll, we'll go through that. And then there's just the ongoing, then there's another group of guys that all I'm doing is supplementing their attorney. Mm-hmm. So, um, and I've got a bunch of guys every week I talk to, and really it's helping them. Sometimes it's, it's helping them understand why their attorney's doing what they're doing. Sure. You know, because attorneys, unfortunately, aren't very good at explaining why I'm doing what I'm doing. They just tell you, I'm doing this. Just trust me. Or, and, and a lot of, there's a lot of attorneys out there too, that get very um, defensive whenever yes. the clients say like, well, why are you doing that? Why are you doing that? Instead of just sitting down and explaining to them what the, what's happening. So mm-hmm. it sort of depends where they are in the process. And mm-hmm. then I pick it up from there and I sort of see what they need because at the end of the day, all I want is to get them from point A to point B and get them out of this marriage, not a broken person, somebody who's already on their two feet so they can move forward in their life for their kids, for themselves, and move on to the next chapter of their life. Because there's going to be a next chapter, and that's something people forget when they start going through a divorce. Okay, so I love this idea because we can we can try to have this role as, a, as the lawyer, and certainly this is part of our job, but 
there is an inherent little bit of conflict and distrust because we have an agenda that might not align with theirs as, as lawyers. If we're, if our agenda is to make as much money as possible, which ours is not because we have plenty of clients, but if that is the agenda of the lawyer that you're working with, then they, you may feel like they're steering you in the wrong direction and they're not working for what's best for your family. So I want to ask you about a couple of issues that I see facing men a lot and how you would coach your men. So let's say we've got um, a man who's going through divorce and his children do not want to see him. Mom is engaging in some, you know, let's call it pre-alienation. It, it might not even be intentional, but some decisions and discussions about how your dad has left you. He's moved on. He doesn't want to see you. And all of a sudden the teenagers do not want to see dad. What do you tell them? So this goes into the, the whole category of control what you can control with guys, because if that's what's going on, and I'll use teenagers, because obviously this will, depends a little bit on how old the kids are. Mm-hmm. If you're dealing with teenagers, I mean, what, a couple of things you know about teenagers is, you know, you have a hard time controlling the way they think about things anyway. So even if mom is engaged in any kind of parental alienation, or even just maybe it's innocent, she's just talking about what's been going on in the downfall of the relationship and and it's just unintentionally alienating the kids whatever the case is i just tell guys all the time you have to just shower your kids in love respect where they are you know tell them you know i understand that you're upset uh, and and you know again if you're living in the same house it's a little bit different than if you're separated and you know dad's in another house and mom's still in the house with the kids but to the extent he can, I just tell them, control what you can control. You can control you can control your love for your kids. You can control how you relate to them. And you can control what you say or don't say about their mother. That's what you can control. And are the kids going to all of a sudden see how you're just being a better person? Maybe not. You know, And then they may not see it that day. It may take them six months or a year. But at the end of the day, the best thing that they can do is, first of all, make sure that the divorce is as amicable as possible. So it gives their mother less opportunity or less reason to say things about the dad and to control what they can control, you know, just shower your kids with love, do what you need to do. Um, And then really just try not to be so like focused on what she is doing. Because actually this kind of is a, a broader issue, which is that a lot of men do not even want to think about why what their contribution was to the downfall of the relationship. So that's real. That's where I take always take an opportunity to do self reflection and be like, okay, why did this happen? Well, she stopped sleeping with me. Okay, well, why did that happen? Well, you know, she was too busy with the kids and didn't want to pay any attention to me. Okay, well, why did that happen? Like, you know, I, it's sort of because it all it all sort of arrives from the same place. And I find that most people, men and women, do not alienate kids unless either one, they're just deranged and they think they're going to get an upper hand in the divorce because, you know, oh, I'm going to, you know, alienate the kids. Or two, they're just very upset about what's going on. And the kids are like sort of live-in therapists and, you know, they're there. And so you're talking to them and you're telling them all the horrible things that their other parent is doing. Um, maybe for sympathy, it may, again, it may not be intentional, but so, so really 
I mean, that's really all you can do from a non-legal perspective is just get people to understand you have to control what you can control in a divorce. And what you can't control, you just have to, first of all, listen to your attorney, take their advice, and just don't do anything. Don't mimic that behavior. Mm-hmm. Mimicking the behavior is not going to help. Um, and, you know, and it's hard, you know, it is guys, it's hard to sit across from them as an attorney and be like, you know, unfortunately, you know, a judge is unlikely to think that this is alienation, you know, and if they're teenagers, it's even worse because we all know teenagers get, you know, upset and, you know, get moody for any number of reasons. So yeah, they do, they do, they do. (laughs) The other thing that I hear men and watch men really struggle with is the concept that they're going to be broke. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's a perception, right? That the divorce laws are anti-man. There's yes. a perception all over the country, yes. uh, which I find very interesting now because there's a lot more women that are making more money than their husbands now. I mean, I'm encountering this more and more and more. Mm-hmm. I have several divorce coaching clients that um, are going to be receiving alimony. Really? Yeah. Yes. And what's interesting is they, when I first talked to them, they were like, kind of like giddy that, oh, finally, you know, you know, woman's going to have to pay and all this stuff. And, you know, and I, even then I, you know, I pulled them back in because I don't want them to talking like that anyway, because as we all know, alimony's alimony or spousal support or maintenance or whatever it's called, wherever you're listening to this, it's for a specific purpose. It's not a, you know, a prize because you were married and now you're getting divorced. It's for a specific <laughs> purpose, right? It's, it's, so I just remind them, um, I just remind them that yes, the divorce laws have been around for a long time. You know, I think every state tries to change them a little bit to keep up with the times. Um, I know there's a movement all over the country to create a presumption of 50, 50 custody in all cases. Um, we're not quite there in New Jersey, but there's, we're trying to move there. Of course, it won't come as any surprise to you, Billy, that the lawyers do not want the law changed when it comes to that, because, you know, it, it would create probably some cases would be a lot easier. And so anyway, so basically what I just remind them of is the law is the law. Again, control what you can control. The law is the law. So if the law is that you, you know, made, $250,000 for the last five years, and your wife's been a stay-at-home wife for the last 10 years, if the law is that you're going to be paying alimony, you're going to be paying alimony. Get over it. Go out and earn more money. Don't complain. Don't have the pity party. Um, And that's really what I talk to them about is, I mean, as you and I both know, the law's not anti-man. It's just just sort of custody sort of geared towards a stay-at-home parent which traditionally have more women have been stay at home than men. Although mm-hmm. these days there's not as many period. Mm-hmm. And when it comes to money, it's just whoever makes more money. Again, historically more men, women, more men have made more money than women, but again, that's changing too. So I'm almost wondering if like 50 years, some of those perceptions will go away just because of sort of the way things are changing organically yeah. as it is. Yeah, definitely possible. So you really are taking a coach's approach. Listen, you can complain that the other team is is big, but they're big. You still got to play the game. Mm-hmm. The game is the game. You're going to have to get around it. You're going to have to shoot from farther away <laughs> <laughs> or something. I haven't used that one, but I'm going to use that now. I mean, sports analogies are so great because there's nothing like fair 
you know, the rules are the rules when you play sports mm-hmm. and you live by the rules and nobody talks about how the rules are unfair. And we need to change the rules. And they took a timeout at the wrong time. Like they took a timeout. They took a timeout. You go sit down and you deal with it. Mm-hmm. So it's good. It's really good. I'm going to start uh, using this for sure. I love it. Yeah. The sports analogy. And it works with every single man, every single man. They completely understand exactly what I'm talking about. Um, and you know, the second, and I even give them like the game plan, like I send them an email saying, here's the game plan. And I even kind of, it's kind of silly, but I even kind of draw it up like a basketball game plan so that they, they totally understand. But, um, you know, I tell them all the time, I'm here for it to listen to you. I'm here for you to cry on my shoulder. If you need to, um, I give all of my guys emergency access to me throughout the week via text and email. No one has ever abused it because, you know, again, I, guys are still guys. They still are not as apt to constantly, anytime they have a thought, they're not apt to just send you message after message. But um, when they realize that I'm really just there to hold their feet to the fire and hold them accountable, they love it. And I will tell you, I didn't say this already, but the fact that I'm a man is a big deal for most of them. Um, they, they immediately love that. And in fact, I have an, I have a community, it's called the men's divorce network. It's sort of like, it's one of those networks. It's kind of like Facebook, but it's not Facebook anyway. And it's men only. And I will tell you having men only, and for them to know that first of all, I don't work with women, that all of these format forms are only men. It allows men to open up so much more. And it's just because, you know, they know they're just surrounded by other guys. Mm-hmm. who are going, who basically it's interesting. If you listen to what guys are saying on the forum, it, almost everyone's talking about the exact same things. It's what you were just talking about before. You know, they're scared about what's going to happen with their kids. They're scared about money. They're just, you know, they're afraid. And so um, giving them a, all a safe place to come and just be around other men has been so gratifying for me because um, when I started this, I didn't do I really didn't do any advertising. I didn't put any muscle into it. I just did some social media and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of guys just showed up. I mean, within months it was. And so you, and you know, this, whenever that happens, you know, there was an unmet need that was out in the world and you didn't have to do very much to sort of meet it. But the problem is, is that, you know, I'm only one person. And most of the people that I know who do divorce coaching are women. And I know that's exactly what like guys don't really want. And I'm not saying a, a a female divorce coach cannot coach a man. I'm just saying that men, they would, I think most of them would prefer, particularly with the crying on the shoulder, talking about their feelings and everything. They actually would rather talk to just another guy about it than, than a woman. And I've talked to many, many guys about this. And that, that is a common thread that I've heard. Mm -hmm. So because of that, um, you know, because of that, I, I think it's, it's been very successful and I'm very, I'm very happy because I, I just feel like making a little bit of a difference. And, you know, when you've been doing divorce, as long as both of us have, um, you just look back at all your cases and you're just like, you know, you do, of course you do the woulda, coulda, shoulda, you know, like we could have done this differently and that differently. The one thing I know is if I look back, there's so many men that I have represented over the years that if they had had somebody to help them process what was going through, not from a therapy perspective, not from a what happened in your childhood and all this stuff, just from a, just from a, if I had had just had someone helping, there's so many cases I think I could have resolved a little bit quicker. Um, And that's really, 
why I'm doing this, because I'm going to help another attorney help move their case along um, for the benefit of their client, not for mm-hmm. the attorneys. I mean, I'm mm-hmm. not on it to make attorneys' lives easier, but you know, for the benefit of their client. And that's really what I want to do. Good, good, good stuff. I have one other question before we wrap up today, and that is how do you coach men who are being accused of domestic violence or being accused that they have been? And the, the thing that's happening right now, the huge wave that is happening right now, and we saw this kind of with the Chris Rock, Will Smith issue, is that people are equating um, you know, mean words to be emotional abuse to be domestic violence akin to beating someone up. Mm -hmm. So lots and lots of men are being accused now for the first time by their wives of being violent, of committing acts of domestic violence and of being dangerous. How are you coaching those men? When it comes, when it comes to those issues, the best, the best protection is just making sure that you are documenting and you are recording. So I don't know what the laws are about one consent recording in Arizona, but in New Jersey, it's one party consent. Mm -hmm. So I, I, every single guy, I mean, the first 10 minutes of our conversation, and I, I've done this with divorce clients too, but first 10 minutes of conversation is I say, well, first of all, depending on what state they're in, make sure you can record. Mm -hmm. Um, but once you decide you can, I send them off to Best Buy or Target or wherever, and I get, have them get a little digital recorder just because the phones aren't phones. Sometimes are hard to like get out. I get them a little digital recorder and I just tell them, listen, every time you're in a space and your wife is anywhere near you. And I don't even care if she's happy, sad. I don't care. You turn that recorder on because if you guys have a fight or she accuses you of saying something and you don't have that recording that I've told you you need, don't come crying to me. Because I'm telling you right now that without some kind of objective evidence, you're at risk of some judge just finding that you did commit an act of domestic violence, you know, harassment or some other uh, thing. So, and, and really at the end of the day, unless you have a witness or you have a recording, it's all he said, she said. And, you know, it all you know, we see all these, you know, we see all these trials on TV now. And it's so funny as a, as a lay person watching it, you think, you know, you sit there and you watch someone, you're like, oh my God, that's a horrible witness. That's a good witness. They may be saying total crap, but if they come across, well, you know, who knows? And if if a judge that morning just happens to feel like, well, dad, uh, you know, husband's being really cagey and I'm not sure whether or not the veracity of what he's saying and the wife is up there, you know, crying and, Oh, he's done all these horrible things to me and you don't have anything else you're at risk. And so really that's the first step is just protecting yourself. And then I also encourage them depending on if their wife has threatened it before, if she's threatened, you know, I'm going to call the police or whatever. Um, I've actually had guys tell guys to go and actually go down the police station, meet a local, you know, meet the local cops, just basically saying, I'm going through a divorce, You're, you know, blah, 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 blah. Just so, you know, listen, if they ever re- come out to the house, you've already sort of, you know, indicated I'm going through a divorce, um, which I know sounds a little extreme, but it's come in very handy for a lot of guys just to sort of know who, who the people are out in the world that might encounter you. And that's only if someone's threatened it. 
you know, you've probably encountered where uh, like someone has threatened, you know, you know, you come in near me, I'm going to call the police and you're like nowhere near the, the person's nowhere near the, uh, the person that's making that accusation. So that's it, Billy. You've got to just, guys have got to protect themselves and that's really the only way to do it. I mean, I don't know about, I don't know about you, but I've had domestic violence trials in the past where on cross-examination, I pull out the old recording mm-hmm. and it's wonderful because mm-hmm. it's like, I start playing the recording and within like two seconds after the 5,000 objections, because the other attorney knows that it's damning, um, the case is over because, you know, so that's really, the, if you want to protect yourself from a bogus domestic violence claim, and we're talking about verbal domestic violence, mm-hmm. obviously. Um, but if you want to protect yourself from something bogus and you calling, listen, people have fights and they use curse words. Mm-hmm. People use people use harsh language. Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean it's domestic violence. Mm-hmm. But you know what? If you have the recording of the fact that it's you and this other person going at each other and you're both using this language, that's not ever going to be domestic violence. Um, it's going to, you know, there's all kinds of other terms for it. But if you want to protect yourself, that's really the only way to do it, unfortunately. Because a judge might just not believe you. Definitely. And the other thing I really like about that is it will also keep you on your toes. You're going to behave better. We all do. We all behave better when we know we're being watched, when we know we're trying to create evidence and your whole life at this point is potential evidence for divorce. So you don't ever tell people in high conflict situations you need to move out. Sometimes, sometimes it, I balance it with the finances and the children, mm. um, like young kids. Like I'll tell somebody and you go into a room and lock, just lock the door, even if she's pounding on it and just stay in the house because I don't want them to move out if there's young kids, unless there's a custody agreement. Mm. But if they're, if they're older kids, I, it depends on if there's parental alienation going on. Cause if there is those kids could be witnesses against my guy. So sometimes in those situations, I'm like, you know what, screw it. Just move out. You know, we'll pick up the pieces later, but move out. I'm just too scared about what's going to happen. I've had, I've had teenagers testify against their dads before. Really? Yes, I have. I have. And, um, you know, and it's never, it's never that they saw it. I remember this one case in particular, I'll just tell you a quick story. Um, mom was in the garage on the floor screaming, you know, I forget what she was screaming, but her husband was standing above her. He didn't touch her. And the son came running in. He was 15. And of course he saw the aftermath. The aftermath was my, my mother was on the floor, terrified. My dad was hovering over her and was big and what it just, and it, it completely was devastating without Without that teenager coming in and seeing that and testifying as to what he saw, it wouldn't have been domestic violence because there was no evidence of a dispute. There was nothing. And in fact, there was a lot of other evidence that she had tried to concoct stories in the past. Mm-hmm. But because that teenager saw what he saw mm-hmm. and, and the judge was really influenced by what the teenager said, it was a restraining order. And there was a final restraining order. And um, to this day, my client swears up and down. It never happened. Um, but I'm just saying like kids can be witnesses. And I think we all forget that because we're like, oh, it's our child. Our child would never do that to us. 
But children, children have a way of uh, sometimes picking sides during a divorce, even though later on they change their mind and they're like, I'm so sorry. Mm -hmm. Um, And you have to look at them. You have to look at everyone in your life as a potential witness. And that's why the only way to protect yourself is with objective evidence, you know, Mm -hmm. an actual recording of what was actually said, Mm -hmm. an actual video recording. If you have those security cameras in your house and your, your wife doesn't insist that you turn them off or unplug them, keep those things recording. I mean, like you can, there's no such thing as enough protection ever. Wow. Okay. Great, great stuff. If you have enjoyed this episode, make sure to download it, share it with your friends, send it to all the men in your life. This really was very specific to men. I wonder if my female listeners are going to be real angry. It's possible they are, but you know, men are half of the world. (laughs) We all need people to look out for us. So don't be mad at John. Um, and go back and listen to other episodes. If you have other topics you'd like us to cover here on the Modern Divorce Podcast, let us know. If you'd like to be a guest, let us know. We would love to have you. John, thank you so much for coming on the show today. It was my pleasure. Bye. Thanks so much for listening to the Modern Divorce Podcast. Remember, anything you've heard today or anything you read online is not the replacement for actual consultation with an attorney and does not create an attorney-client relationship. Even if you called in and we spoke to you, you are anonymous and we don't have your details and you have not become a client of Modern Law. However, we would love to speak with you or you should seek out the advice of legal counsel or counseling or any other expert near you. And if you have an idea for a show topic or you need to speak with an attorney in Arizona, you can reach me at info, I-N-F-O, at mymodernlaw.com. 